He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Peace, 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 and welcome to The Rematch, which is part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. On The Rematch, you'll hear in-depth interviews with notable names from all walks of life. Because sometimes the media just doesn't get it right. The Rematch is that second opportunity to clarify, put things in proper context, correct fake news or misreported controversy, The media still exists as the most powerful entity on earth because they control the minds of the masses. I'm Atan Thomas, and the full truth is what we are aiming to catch. Many media stories omit details that would dilute their clickbait roar, and that's why there's a need for the rematch. Today, I sat down with Deadspin senior writer, Mr. Karen J. Phillips, who over a year ago wrote a brilliant article called Sage Steele is ESPN's Candace Owens and it's time for her to go. His article was proven once again when recently the ESPN co-host of the 12 p.m. Sports Center, Sage Steele, had a series of statements go viral for all the wrong reasons. She told Jay Cutler on his podcast that it was fascinating that President Obama indicated that he was black on his census form, considering his black father was nowhere to be found. Social media went ballistic. And Mr. Phillips and I broke down everything Sage Steele in our conversation. Hope you enjoy. So, Mr. Karen J. Phillips, uh, Deadspin senior writer, how are you doing, sir? Doing good, doing good. Appreciate y'all having me here. Oh, no, thanks for coming on The Rematch, uh, basketballnews.com and Fly TV. Um, you've been with Deadspin for almost two years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you wrote for The Shadow League, for The New York Daily News, Slam Online. You know, you graduated from Newhouse, from the Syracuse <laughs> University. You know, you, you, you've definitely paid your dues uh, in the whole writing sphere. No, oh, definitely. Uh, it's been a long, long journey to get here. Um, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of traveling, um, different time zones, different regions, um, online and newspaper publications, and just a lot of different roles. You know, a lot of the stuff I write about is about uh, what sports is connected to, the intersection of different things, culture, race, politics, um, which has, you know, been a hot trend the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just, you know, being one of the guys who was the first to have the actual term in my beat was um, sports social issues um, columnist for the New York Daily News in 2017. That's a moniker I'm proud to have uh, as more people, uh, more people of color are getting in these positions to shine a light on these issues and understanding just how important this stuff is. Um, But with that, you know, uh, it's an important task because it's not simply just, being black or understanding sports. Like you gotta, you gotta dig a little deeper. Like I've colored politics, education, straight news, um, and, and, and left sports and came back and, and have background in these other 
departments that connect or subject matters with sports. So, um, and you know, in the last couple of years, I just really found this niche to where I can put all of these together. You know, my African-American studies degree background from Morehouse, my master's degree in journalism from Syracuse and all right. my experience as myself, as a fan, as a black man, um, and just as a reporter um, in different genres and different fields. And, you know, in, in, in 2016, a, a lot of stuff happened um, and the world shifted. And, you know, being able to cover like a, a Democratic National Convention in Sweet 16 and Lead 8 in the same building within six months and being there for cap in a presidential election, a, a city election, a statewide election and covering all that, you kind of understand better, you know, how the country works, how sports are viewed, athletes, the political stratosphere, the culture, nuances that go with it. Right. Um, so that's what I try to bring um, anytime I'm writing or talking to somebody like you is to add that added context to why you might know this is important or this is a moment we're living in, mm -hmm. but I'm trying to give you those little nuggets so that you know just how important and where this started and how far this goes back so that you can get the full impact of it. Do you think things are changing with journalism? Um, I got to be honest with you. When I was playing throughout my whole career, most of the time I didn't really like journalists. I didn't really like the media. I didn't like reporters and a lot of people who play professional sports. So even in college will kind of tell you the same thing. Um, do you think that things are changing now as if the, 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 the journalists are looking a little bit more deeper into athletes as far as being able to see them as human beings. <laughs> you know, I, I just felt that before athletes weren't seen as human beings. Now, of course, you have a lot of people who still, you know, follow that ilk, but you're having more, um, not just writers, um, but also outlets that are comfortable with showcasing different parts of athletes and different topics and mixing in different topics into athletics. Do you, do you see that or do you, do you disagree with what I'm saying? It's a, it's a yes and no. And that's a very contextual question because when you first started that question, you was like, you, I, when you were playing ball, you didn't like it. And I was like, I automatically know why. Because mm -hmm. I wasn't talking to you in the locker room. It wasn't probably many guys that looked like me or women that were coming, sticking a mic in your phone after practice or in the locker right. room. Right. Um, and there wasn't that level of comfortability or a certain look or nuance in the culture where you just look across the room and I'm looking at you after you lost the game and you give me a look like, I'm going to holler at you. Just give me a minute. Right. <laughs> I'm pissed off. We lost. Right. <laughs> uh, Eton, how do you feel about this? Right. And right. it's like those little cultural nuances aren't there. And, you know, I always experienced this being in locker rooms because when I got in this industry, I was never the kid growing up that necessarily wanted to be a journalist or a writer. I was always the athlete um, mm -hmm. until midway through high school was when I quit playing sports and I got the book to do TV and to like learn my craft and go into that. So I had a totally different view. I wasn't the, the writer, the guy who couldn't make the team, who did, who, you know, I, I was black. I, I knew what it's like to be uh, on the team and try and everything else to come off with that. Or my friends were those guys or I was around that. So I always had the view of when I got in this industry of like an athlete, like I know when they want to be bothered and when they don't want to be bothered. So right. I never looked at it like a traditional journalist or came from the culture or the mm -hmm. race or the socioeconomic status that journalists have traditionally come from. Um, and so I understood like, I, these guys don't want to talk to me. I'm like, I know why, because I wouldn't want to talk to you either. 
Right. Um, so right, right. I totally got that. And when you when you come from a, a, a different background, you just nothing needs to be said. Like I already understood. So I understand why y'all didn't want to talk to us. But right. something happened that changed the game, and it was the internet. Because mm-hmm. what the internet gave us was social media. So mm-hmm. now athletes actually could say what they wanted, how they wanted to be said, to who they wanted to say it. So then mm-hmm. we had to deal with that. And then um, with the internet came this good and bad thing in our industry. Right. Journalists and the media got crammed all together. Okay. And no one could really tell who was who except the people in the industry. So then you had people just who were just out here, media members, because they had a, a laptop and an internet connection, and they created a blog. Right. And they're getting, they're getting credentials, and you're like, but they don't have any idea what they're doing. Um, and they're just spewing their opinions out. There's, there might not be any fact. There's no editors going over this. So now the people coming in your face, there are more in the locker room, and you don't know who's is who. Now, while it might have brought more diversity because it gave more options to people, the actual background of knowing what their job is and why they were there to do their job became the spectrum. So now we're at a point to between Twitter and IG, um, you know, the blog era is pretty much over now, but it's it, we got podcasts now. Mm-hmm. So it was like, how do you cover these things? Because now I have to cover you as, as an athlete, right? You got your own podcast. You're right. out here doing this in the community. I have to talk about these things. Okay. Now, the issues might come up is people who are not used to doing this or uncomfortable or don't think you should have the right to do these things mm-hmm. have the pen also. Everybody's not like me that's going to understand what all comes with that, you know, in the platforms athletes have. But mm-hmm. then, like I said, the last couple of years, whether it's through voting initiatives, through drives, through the social and the racist uh racial and social justice movements, all of these things have gotten to a point to where, like, you can't ignore them. The shut up and dribble, the more than the athlete, all these different moments we've had over the last five, six years, and athletes standing up and being like, you know what? No, I'm not doing this. The Milwaukee Bucks in the playoffs saying we're not playing today. It forced people in our industry and fans and just the world to have to be like, oh, they're not just out there bouncing the ball or throwing the football or, you know, swinging the bat. These are actual human beings. And that is the one thing I am happy about. It has brought humanity to athletes and especially to athletes. Well, I I think it's interesting that you say that because, you know, I'm looking at different networks who (laughs) have, have traditionally liked to stay away from anything outside of um, athletics, Um, you know, especially dealing with politics especially dealing with anything outside of the the court or the field or whatever. Um, You know, of course, you know, most recently, probably Jamel Hill, you know, that she was told to stay in this certain lane and only talk about these certain topics, um, even on her personal Twitter um, and reprimanded when she didn't fall into those guidelines. And then they, they decided to part ways. Um, I look at that. And then I look at the contrast of people like, you know, maybe, a you know, Sage Steele or, you know, <laughs> who are not being told, at least it appears, to stay in that same lane. And it's okay for them to venture outside of that lane as long as they're taking a certain position. And 
that's the hypocrisy to me, you know, and we can speak on it to be quite honest about for, for a, a network like ESPN, are they picking and choosing or is, is one okay and one not okay? Or is it sticks to sports or is it not to, to you know, sticks to sports? Which, which one is it? Because it's kind of hard to see if you're just looking at it from the outside in. Look, you are talking to somebody that has been banned from ESPN networks for years <laughs> um, for something I wrote about ESPN. Um, look, everything you said is correct. Um, that is a network that is a place for all the the amount of black people that they hire. Like, no one else can compete with. And that was the name of one of my columns a couple of years ago was that ESPN values black bodies but not black minds. Mm. Um, they will have us all over. But when it's time, and, and, and we actually make it cool. Let, let's go back to when ESPN first got cool. You know when it got cool? Stuart Scott. No, yes. That's when it started getting cool. ESPN loves all the seasoning that black people bring to ESPN. Okay. They don't want to let us cook, though. Okay. <laughs> they don't want us in the kitchen. They don't want us making the decisions. They don't want us at the top in all these positions of power to where we can actually add the, the right seasons to it to get it a little spicier, to get it to the to the palate that it should be. Okay. But they'll come over and, you know, they'll hire us to work in the kitchen. They'll use a little bit of lemon pepper, but they ain't going to let us really get them wings right. the right way they need to be. <laughs> right. Um, and when you have someone, like a sage still, um, you have to understand what she is. Okay. She checks off two boxes. She's a woman and she's black, even if though she doesn't want to check off the box of being a black woman. Right. <laughs> um, so she's a double minority right there. Uh, she's listen, don't get this for all the jabs and things I've written about. Let's be clear. And I've written this. She is very, very good at her job. Okay. She is one of the best. Okay. But the way that she presents and, you know, um, biracial family. Um, she has historically been the type of black person that white people like. Okay. They're conservative. They're not going to talk about different things. They're not going to push the agenda too far. They can be accepted in multiple circles. Um, and their political alignments or sayings or ideologies is going to be more on their side than people who look like me and you. So when you have someone like that, they do get a longer leash to use that metaphor than somebody that's black as hell, like the homie Jamel, because she just gonna keep it a buck with you. Right. Um, when you compare it to a sage still who's like, oh, the things she said about Kaepernick, or just the the long litany of things which blows my mind that they're still up on her Twitter or her IG that no one is deleting. She hasn't deleted anything. Nothing. Right. She is going to get a longer leash because she is the one that Jimmy Batara is going to have over for dinner at his house rather than Jamel Hill. Um, and we know these people <laughs> in real life and we've worked with them. We've been on teams with them. Um, you've seen them in the building network. You know, the ones that we like to say that white people label as the good ones, the good ones. And, wow. and she's one of the good ones. And when you're one of the good ones, you get a little extra room to, you know, to boogie and maneuver and do things that the rest of us know they wouldn't let our black asses do. <laughs> you know, um, over a year ago, you wrote a, a brilliant article uh, for Deathspin uh, called 
Sage Steele is ESPN's Candace Owens, and it's time for her to go. And you laid out a lot of the, you know, a, a brilliant case as to her past statements, um, her history, like you said, that she has not deleted, that she has stood by, um, not, not even been told to retract, um, not reprimanded for in any way, shape, or form. And, you know, which brings us to, you know, recently, um, her statement went viral. Another statement, this is a new one, <laughs> and that she also will probably not delete as well. <laughs> um, she told Jay Cutler um, on his podcast that it was fascinating that President Obama indicated that he was black on his census form, considering his black father was nowhere to be found. So social media went crazy. You know what I mean? Twitter was like, wait, she said what? Like all over the place. And I, I, I tweeted out that she is exactly who we thought she was. And or who black folks in the industry, we knew she's always been. <laughs> right. So this shouldn't have come as any surprise, right? Yeah. Yeah. I listen, someone, everything from that interview that has blown up the last couple of days, if you said, I've been getting texts like, I know you're about to write about this. I know you're going to jump on. I'm like, no, I've already written about her twice. I just sent out a little tweet that got a lot of traction. And I just had a screenshot of that original piece about her being Candace Owens to when it first hit of Cutler calling it. And I just put the two screenshots side by side so you can see the data when I said it, when he said it. <laughs> and, and my tweet was just a caption of a Drake lyric. Imitation isn't flattery, it's just annoying me. Uh, and it took off. Uh, um, and that was my way of being like, I told y'all. Right. <laughs> because I told y'all on the second piece I wrote, um, that was just basically the first column with some new stuff. It's when, you know, she got demoted <laughs> and L. Job, L. Duncan got her job, who was someone who she tried to get fired right. or get their career or reputation uh, badly damaged. Right. Uh, when she said what she said to the Washington, uh, to the Wall Street Journal, I'm sorry, about mm -hmm. Michael Eves and L. Duncan mm -hmm. to when, even if you know how this industry works or a network like ESPN, the allegation in itself. Right that two anchors could have that much power and no type of producer or no one in Bristol who was going to do this really black hour on ESPN. And they were just going to let Michael E's and L Duncan have final say is the wildest, dumbest thing that anyone could ever believe. That, that's just not how it works. Yeah. So not only was the claim bogus, how she went about it was even bogus. And then just to go to another publication right. to say these things it's just, this is who she's been. If you know people who've known her, this is just how she moves. Um, so when that thing happened with Cutler and the things she said about, about Obama, I'm just happy that the world itself, because my Twitter timeline has just also been white people being mm -hmm. upset and being done with her. And I'm like, once they done with you, <laughs> it's really a wrap because we've been done with you. So, right. It is what it is. And like I said in the first piece, I, I when I told her it's time for her to go, for, I meant from ESPN. I never right. said the woman shouldn't work again because, like I said, she's very, very good at her job. Yeah, she'll probably I just said news. ESPN isn't the place for her. And I mentioned Fox. And yeah, I, would not, I would not be surprised if that's where she lands yeah. with a Will Kane or Emmanuel Acho because she's going to fit right in with those two.
Ah, that's tough. That's tough. Do you, do you remember when she um, she was on Sports Center? It was a UFC fighter. Um, the plan with was, the hair. Yeah, I I saw that. I was like, did she actually lean? Oh, so just to yes. tell, refresh the audience if they didn't hear. So he was. She was on air in the middle of talking about the UFC fight. She was asking a valid question, something to the effect of, "Do you have to hate your opponent in order to defeat him?" She was doing a, a regular interview, right? Good job. Which is a really good question. If Great you think question. about MMA. In the middle of her question, he's looking at her and he says, can I touch your hair? Live on TV. Now, you know, <laughs> black, black people, we know that's a no-no. You know what I mean? Like, when, But she leaned over and said, yeah, sure, go ahead. <laughs> I was like, is she serious? You can't even touch a woman's hair until you're all at a certain level of intimacy. She just allows you to to touch your hair on live TV, he <laughs> it and said, "You know all that." I was like, "Wow, is he actually petting her?" And that and that was the moment that a lot of the black community was like, "Okay, we know where she is, definitely, and this is where she is." Correct. Like, what was that a moment that surprised you that she went that far with it? No, I remember when it happened, and I laughed. It wasn't necessarily me being shocked, but you know the old proverb: when someone showed you who they are. And I was like, oh, I know who she is. Cool. And then after that moment, it was, you know, people telling me more stuff or or sources come to me and giving me some more info. And so when the situation happened and I wrote the first piece, it wasn't like I needed to do all this research. Like the Sage Steel files in my phone or, you know, in my head, I had been updating for years, it was just it was just going back to find the exact examples that I had to get the quotes from you know speaking engagement she had and see oh right. this IG post is still up when she said this okay yeah. cool link to this to show everyone because I wanted to just make my statement and I know some people are gonna be like wait that's harsh give all the examples and the evidence mm-hmm. and then close it out because by the time you got to the end of it you was just kind of like well. I mean, let's, because, let's, because facts ain't feelings. Right. But if you're going to have feelings, make sure you got the facts to back it up. So let, let's go back to some of this history, because I don't want you know people to think that who aren't really aware of some of the things. Um, she told the New York Post that, you know, people come to us for sports and uh, that for the most part, uh, we leave social and political issues to the news networks. Now, this was in the midst of everything going on. With, with Kaepernick, with everyone, you know, athletes gaining um, ground and speaking out and everything like that. That was her position that she took on ESPN. And it was close to the time when Jamel Hill was having her battle as well. So it was kind of a, um, you know, y- y'all look at Jamel Hill as, as this, I'm over here at this. That, that's how I interpreted that. Yeah, and she, because that was around the same time and she also had some comments about Jamel where she was basically like, she did that. She knew the rules. She shouldn't have popped off. I keep my mouth shut. <laughs> you know, I keep serving this lemonade and making sure everybody in the big house happy. Right. Oh, uh, that was kind of the energy of the statements or tweets she was making around that time. But which is funny when you go back and look what she said then to the New York Post and then fast forward to last year to her going to the Wall Street Journal about being upset right. that she was excluded from having a conversation about black athletes and all the black people ESPN and not even all of them, just a small group of them having this conversation. 
that was outside of sports, but it was like a couple of years ago, right. you said this wasn't the place for it. Right. So when you weren't brought up to host that show, you said you got excluded. But, mm-hmm. but you told us this ain't what you wanted. This where we shouldn't be talking about. Right. But now when you're not invited to the party, now it's you a- mad because you couldn't get in and don't nobody want to dance with you. Right. <laughs> but Basically. you told us you don't dance. You don't dance. So right. <laughs> why, why, why would we waste the invite anyway? Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's interesting. Even looking at some of her past comments about Kaepernick. Um, so they extend beyond just the, the regular, um, you know, right wing position, which was if he's good enough to play, he would have been playing. Like you heard that all the time, right? But she went a little further than that. And she compared him, which was amazing to me to even see. Like she wanted to go past where the right wing <laughs> conservatives went. So she compared him to Greg Hardy. Do, do you remember that? And she talk, talk to me about that because the context of how she actually made this point in saying that they were almost one and the same. Say still tried to compare a black man that sat down first and then kneeled after having a conversation um, with someone who was in the military because he wanted to kneel in peaceful protest because he wanted cops to stop treating black bodies like target practice. That's it. That's the part everyone forgets. Right. That's all he said. Stop shooting us. Yes. And now get up. Yes. That's all he wanted. She tried to compare that man Uh to a man who has, uh, I'm going to do this very lightly with air quotes, allegedly, but in multiple domestic dispute allegations and situations multiple allegations against violence against women, because mm-hmm. those are two different things. Mm-hmm. And we have seen photographs yeah. of the alleged damage Greg Hardy has did. He then got another job mm-hmm. in the NFL with the Cowboys after all of this. Mm-hmm. And then he went to the most violent sport ever, the same sport of the man who rubbed her hair on TV, and he became an MMA fighter. Right. That's who she tried to compare him to. And if you can't understand the blatant flagrant issues that are disrespectful in that, then you should probably click off this show now because you don't understand what we're talking about anyway. But still, trying to make that correlation between two black men on two different ends of the spectrum just because they put on a helmet and some pads, Mm -hmm. because that's the only thing they have in common, Mm -hmm. is... Asinine at worst, and just belittling of someone's humanity right. at best. Right. I think it's a good way to say it. And so that then brings me back to my original question: Why is one tolerated, promoted, um, celebrated on ESPN, um, and another, and talking about Jamel Hill, who said? a statement that many could say was proven to be correct um, and referring to Donald Trump being a white supremacist. I mean, not, not proven. It was, it was correct the day she said it. Um. Yeah, yeah but, but, but when she said it, everybody, they were, they, their, their reasons was, you know what? Let me, let me take that back. They didn't necessarily say that they disagreed with what she said. They just didn't want her to say it. Mm-hmm. That's what I took from it. Yeah. Um, and, but one is okay, one is allowed, 
But all the stuff that we just talked about that Sage Steele has done, she's not even been reprimanded for. So no, that brings me back to ESPN. Because people are only allowed, they're only able to do what you allow them to do. When people are talking about Stephen A. Smith and they're like, he does all this, and then I was like, yeah, but ESPN allows it. Yeah. ESPN rewards him. Mm-hmm. ESPN makes him the face of ESPN. So of course he's going to keep high, doing it. Highest paid employee. He's paid more than most professional athletes. You know what I mean? Like when when you so so going back to Sage Steele, what does that say to us? What message is that giving us that ESPN is sending? Uh the message that they've always given, which is mm-hmm. they don't give a shit about black people. Mm. Um I mentioned Stuart Scott earlier as the first person that made ESPN cool, right? But if you dig into his story, the way they treated him. Right. Before he became Stuart Scott. So you, you can you can chalk it up as being a pioneer. The first is always going to go through some unnecessary BS to open that door for everybody else. But, you know, Mike Hill um, has, has publicly talked about what they did to him and told him, like, well, we already got one black guy. We already got one Stuart Scott or whatever the right. was. Right. Um, we've all seen what happens to Jamel because she's kind of the thing you can point at to show how wrong they are. Mm-hmm. But ask Carrie Champion about her experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's ask so many other Black people who have been in positions of power or, uh, uh, you know, face-fronting positions on that network of being on your TV every day and what they've had to go through. And those are just, you know, the, the stars, right? The writers, the TV people. We're not even going to get into the producers. Right. The people in HR, the booking uh, producers who, who, who bring people on the show, um, the researchers, um, all of these people I know in real life and have heard their stories and know what goes there. Someone who's tried to work at that network, be on that, that you know, that network's airwaves and in, in different capacities over the years. Um, you, you try, you, you get to a point to where you understand how the game is played over there. Mm-hmm. And it's like I said earlier, like, they love the coolness and, you know, the word we, we tired, the swagger that black people and the soul and the juice and the sauce that we bring. Mm-hmm. But when it's actually time for it to get saucy, <laughs> they're going to add some water to it and, 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 and blend it up because right. they just don't want us to be unapolog- unapologetically black all the way. Now, this last situation there have been some things that have changed. There have been some promotions, I do know. Um, okay. some, some, some folks in power. Uh, but it is like everything. Uh, I'm The jury's still out. I'm waiting to see because last summer, America told me that we were going through this racial awakening and right. things were going to change. Right. And I think I wrote some every week through that summer that was like, no, the hell is not. <laughs> And then it's been what, a little over a year later, people starting to be like, that, that, it's, it's a little bit changed, but not the change that I thought yeah. we was going to. Because January 6th happened. And when yeah. January 6th happened, I was like, told y'all. Yeah. What happened to that to that change? Like, they, they tried to take out their own vice president. Yeah. I really thought... Just just one summer of disruption, this this ninety day period of them being uncomfortable and having these meetings and 
finally giving us Juneteenth off. It's going to just <laughs> that was going to fix it, right? Right. No. Um, and you like I would even point to if we're going to keep it with sports. I was busy last summer as everyone was excited about the NBA and the bubble, right? Everything okay. that happened, especially with the WNBA, and shout out to them because they've yeah. been on the forefront of any league longer than anybody. They started in 2015. Right. Um, like really in there getting gully, getting dirty with it, standing up. Um, so shout out to those ladies because they they have been championing this um, and they should be getting more of the spotlight and attention than all the other leagues. But we saw Black Lives Matter on the court, right? And all mm-hmm. these slogans on the, on the back and everybody was all excited. And I just raised a question once in a column. I was like, but is that going to be on the floor at the Staples Center next season? Because mm-hmm. the Barclays Center ain't said they was doing that. And then last season, it was like, what happened? Like, the players were still doing what they needed to do. Right. But I was like, oh, what happened to the to the, to the the Black Lives Matter? And, right. And, oh, oh. So did the Black Lives Matter just for the bubble? Or do Black Lives Matter, period? Because I didn't, I didn't know this billboard that y'all were using should go away just because y'all stopped playing basketball in Orlando. That's a good point. That's definitely a good point. And so, so let me, let me just end with this because, you know, a lot of times when everybody was up in arms about Sage Steele <clears throat> and rightfully so comment was ridiculous, <laughs> but, but, um, uh, you know, she is who we always thought that she was. Mm-hmm. But then we have to go back to ESPN and ask the question, you know, why do they reward that? And why do they allow it? And why is she promoted? And then it gets to the another topic was, you know, Sage Steele is playing the game, whether she believes it or not. So I will, we'll take that part off the because I feel that people like her, people like Jason Whitlock, people like, you know, I, I, feel, I, I know you don't agree, but I feel that they say what they know is going to, it's like in the movie, remember Bamboozle back in the day and they put the, put the black face on and he's like, I'm going to give the people what they want. It don't matter if you really feel that or not, I'm going to just give them what they want, then you get rewarded for it. That's what I feel. But regardless of if they want it or not, the sum of that outrage need to be directed towards the people who are allowing and promoting it and rewarding it in this case, we're talking about ESPN, that they that the same outrage and everything that everyone had for Sage Steel. Yeah, like it is, it's look, and shout out to Bamboozle. Um, I'm happy you used that because that is an underrated spike classic. Definitely. That still holds up to this day. I got the VHS. Definitely. Definitely. Um, <laughs> but to answer your question, it's, it, it is like it's on ESPN. It's on those those powers that be. And look, my prediction is she's not going to be around much longer. Okay. She's either going to get fired or that contract isn't going to get renewed whenever that contract's up. Um, because there have just been too many things over the last year or two that are becoming a black eye for ESPN. And we know that is a network that doesn't necessarily like to do drama. Okay. Like they like to stay in this lane and try to be as clean as possible because they want love and appreciation and your subscription dollars from both sides of the aisles. Right. Um, So when you become a headache to one side or the other, they will get very creative. Maybe if you're not on TV, it's more. Or you're not hosting 6 o'clock, you're hosting 12. 
they will find something to do with you if you don't fall in line with what they think you should do or say. And there are millions of examples of that. But there isn't going to necessarily be an immediate reaction from ESPN to where they're held accountable, which is what you're getting at. Yeah. That's what you want. That's what what's, I want. What's happening is that they're getting exposed. Okay. Starting from Jamel to getting all the way here from everyone that's left and all the things that are coming out. You are starting to see, you know, everybody starting to get that peek behind that curtain. Okay. And the Wizard of Oz <laughs> ain't what you think it is. Right. Um, and it, and it's those it's those things that that's gonna ultimately change things or get some people removed or fired. Now, is there ever going to be like this wholesale change? I don't think so. Right. People call me a cynic. I'm just a historian. <laughs> like, this is just how America works. Right. Um, right. And, 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 yeah, ain't no summer going to change all that, right? Right. But as, you know, all these examples that we've seen since, what, 2016, 2017 with ESPN, with black and brown folks, add them in there too. With um, especially the Asian community, let's add them too because let's not grease over Stephen mm-hmm. A's comments about Otana from a couple of months ago. Right. All of this stuff you're getting these different races of people who work there and who watch this this network because it's still the big dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know they're always going to be the big dog, just of how massive they are and the things they give us. Like ESPN is inescapable. Right. Even if you don't want to watch the TV shows, you right. got to watch the game. Got to. You got to watch the documentary. Yep, got One to. of they talking heads is going to speak to you. Like yep. it's impossible to get away from them. Agreed. But people are starting to see, like even this conversation right now, mm-hmm. people weren't having this conversation three, four years ago. And if they were, there wasn't someone you can point to, like a sage deal, to where you can also point to episodes that got us to this situation where the powers that be have also done repeated things so publicly that made you scratch your head and be like, wait, what's up? What's, what's going on in Bristol? Like, why, why is someone so leaving? Why did, why did, why did they leave? Right. Why, do, why doesn't that black site get a lot of more publication? Mm. Why don't they get a lot of push? Why they not really letting the black site be extra black? Right. And this really <laughs> black moment. Yeah. And you start to ask these questions like, Oh, Okay. And that's what I think this moment we're in right now is that the scales are coming off people's eyes or the ones like me and you who have always known something was up and we got some insider information. We're having these very public conversations or we're releasing these tweets or we writing about stuff and people mm-hmm. who just, you know, tune in for the game and they don't know necessarily oh, what, what, what stage do, who was that? She did what? And right. they're like, Oh, did this happened. Well, they didn't do that to old girl. Right. <laughs> and then, then why didn't she leave? And then yeah. what, what, what? Michael Smith left and all this. And now right. you're starting to see like, oh, yeah. okay. Which goes back to my original point. They want our bodies, mm-hmm. but they don't want our minds. Because if you want our minds, that means we got to be in those meetings. And we're going to bring up points. And we're going to hold you accountable. And we're going to show you why all the way that you've been doing stuff for the last couple of decades mm-hmm. has been wrong or how it could have been better. And how the most of the people in this room ain't even qualified to be in this room, but you're only in this room because of the color of your skin, because if this is about some intellect, yep. your ass wouldn't be here in the first place. Yep. Exactly. exactly. And that's the moment we're in right now, to where what you want, I know what you want. 
Mm-hmm. It might not come. Right. And if it does come, it'll be later. Okay. But it's more of that, oh, people starting to see, as I like to say, the bullshit. <laughs> and that's where we at right now. Basically. Very well said. Mr. Phillips, I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, keep doing your thing. Um, let everybody know where they can find you and where they can find all your writings and things like that. Oh, you can find me, uh, senior writer at Deadspin, so deadspin.com. You can find me on Twitter at Karen J. Phillips. You can't find me on IG because I refuse to get on Instagram, on Instagram because Instagram is nothing but trouble. Okay. <laughs> Stay away, people. Stay away from those thirst traps and those DMs. Stay away. Make a business decision like I have. <laughs> That's what's up. Wait, I appreciate you coming on the rematch. Um, keep doing your thing, really. We need we need more writers, more journalists like you. Um, and I hope that you're you're influencing um, other journalists to follow in your footsteps. The ones that are going to Syracuse New House now <laughs> and they're gonna read your stuff and say, Yeah, I wanna write like this. You know what I mean? So that's what's why it's so important. So keep doing your thing, sir. I know. And I also want to shout you out. Like, man, look, it is so good to have, and I just don't want to, you know, just keep this contained to black athletes, mm. but athletes of color who have, you know, had these long careers as pros um, and are opening up and telling their story and being unapologetic about it and um, holding people accountable and having these conversations now, when, like you said earlier, y'all didn't feel comfortable or didn't want to do in the past, and the more that we have these conversations and the more the former athletes or current athletes are empowered to, you know, let us know what it's really like, what's really going on. Um, right. Because why everybody thinks sports is this, you know, everybody on the same team loves each other, I know for facts. No. It's just like a job. <laughs> That's not it. It's a whole bunch of people at your job you can't stand. It's right. Athletes tell you the same thing. It's most of the teammates they can't stand either. Right. Um, especially the coaches. So yes. <laughs> you know, we've seen all these different stories with ownerships and different coaches and things that have happened, especially the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. The things they've said, how they've treated players. Um, we talk about you, George Carl. Uh, but listen. <laughs> <Definitely. laughs> Just with these things being out, you know, in the public, it, it's, it's giving other athletes, you know, the batter they need in their back to come out and talk and, and giving me all type of stuff to write and ask questions. So I appreciate you as well, big homie. Definitely, definitely. All right, well, keep doing your thing. Like I said, I appreciate it. Appreciate having me. Thank you for listening to The Rematch. You can find more episodes on basketballnews.com. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find my articles on basketballnews.com, along with exclusive content from Kenyon Martin, James Posey, and more. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AtonThomas36. Let me know what you thought of this episode and who you'd like to see as a guest. I would love your feedback.